Welcome to the Startup to Something podcast. I'm Mark. And I'm Matt. This is our weekly update where we share the ups and downs of building and growing our bootstrapped online businesses. And sometimes we ramble on about tech. Mark, what's up? Hey, hey. Good, good, good. You? Yeah, doing really well. Doing really well. Yeah, so we're recording on a Tuesday now instead of a Monday. Yeah. I, I'm digging it actually. I, it's nice to our when we record at noon. It like kind of it. I feel like it eats the whole day. Whereas with this, it's like it just eats the later part of the day. Yeah, yeah, but, I agree. I agree. When it's like when we record around noon on Mondays, it, it's sort of like it sort of blocks off my day from doing any deep work. So mm-hmm. I just do like administrative stuff. Yeah. So this this is good because on Tuesdays I actually go to judo in the morning. Okay. <laughs> so so. uh Often I don't even have that much energy after judo mm. to do any deep work, so it's like, yeah, I'll just chat with Matt. Yeah, it's perfect. Yeah, it's. I, I will say, like, you know, having Monday, it doesn't really matter what the day is, but it takes a fair amount of time to like sit down and chat and that kind of thing. So it's like, yeah, scheduling administrative stuff, you know. So not that Mondays are write off, but it's easier to write off Monday, which is a great day to write off. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, so for some reason I don't know why, but I seem to have lost my voice at judo. Yeah, just all that unbridled rage. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> letting it flow. My work week. So what's been going on? How was your week? So yeah, so last week uh, when we recorded, I had spoken to one person mm-hmm. that was interested in being a beta tester for Member Row. Mm-hmm. Uh, then after we recorded, I spoke to another person. So they're more of a freelancer slash agent, small agency. Okay. Uh, and that was also a great talk. Like, really, they they actually had a client that was that was upcoming, like a project that they were going to start soon with their client, where they need some membership functionality. Right. So it was like it was perfect timing. Awesome. So it did mean that. I wanted to start coding right away. <laughs> yeah. You know, it was like, okay, like these two people urgently need this. Mm-hmm. And if I don't deliver within a few weeks, they're probably just going to go with member stack and, mm. you know, which means they're going to pay for member stack. Yeah. And, and I'm not sure how the migration is going to work yet for how, how am I going to, get people to move away from member stack mm-hmm. to member row yeah i know they they do offer an export like there is a way to export your member stack data if you mm-hmm. want to leave but i'm guessing it's not going to be easy though with like the salted hashed passwords yeah right like how, how does that work it wouldn't surprise me if they never even gave that to you if they're like here's a list of your members and you got to figure something out really I, I don't know, like, I'm just thinking, like, if you want to migrate off of, um, like, any authentication provider, like Auth0 or Okta or anything like that, I think that's the problem with lock-in. They're like, really? once you're in, you're in. I, I, I think so. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I assume that they would at least, you know, give you the the ashes and the salt and the, and the, the key, right? Like, for, you know, as long as they're using a different key for each each customer then it's no big deal like yeah yeah that's true yeah because if they're just giving you the salted then yeah maybe it doesn't matter 
Yeah, I guess I, I, I maybe I jumped maybe I jumped too quickly to, to thinking that, but yeah, it would just yeah. it would be a jerk thing not to allow it to export that stuff, right? That'd be it's pretty like, fucked. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, but then I don't even know how easy it is to import that stuff into a a, a new membership service. Mm. But so so yeah, so I knew there'd be lots of obstacles there. So, but I'm not that worried because I'm seeing it with Power Importer that new people are starting new projects all the time. Like right. it's just a, a nonstop ongoing thing. I mean, these agencies make a living from just doing new client work all the time. Mm-hmm. So I just so as long as I just serve that market of people who are starting a new project, I think there's plenty of. Uh, market opportunity yeah but for these early ones here it's like i i need to have something quickly so that you know they can start with me instead of starting with another one Mm -hmm. so yeah so i decided that i was just going to start coding i didn't even reach out to anyone else i didn't send out any more emails okay Um, i mean i i I put it on my to-do list that i should have (laughs) i should have contacted more people right because it's something you can do in parallel like Right, you send an email, you, you wait for people to receive it, to read it, to respond. So, so you got downtime anyways where you can work. But uh, ah, I just never got around to it. Okay. I was just too <laughs> too focused on coding. Sure. And it felt great. <laughs> yeah, I bet. <laughs> I bet. Oh, man. Yeah. But I, I did waste a lot of time, though, on the stack. Okay. So like, I, I'm a big fan of Vue. Like Vue.js, mm-hmm. um, but, but sometimes it feels a bit heavy because I don't I don't do a lot of components and stuff like that. So, sure. So I discovered Alpine, which is which is very influenced by Vue, okay. uh, but it's super lightweight. Ah. Like I, I think the JS file is like nine kilobytes. Oh whoa. Yeah, yeah like it's tiny and but it, the the syntax looks a lot like Vue, so it feels a lot like Vue. So I was like, yeah, I want to use that. Because, I mean, because I've been using Ruby on Rails forever now. Uh-huh. And it's great. I mean, it, it's a great framework for CRUD, right? So, like, you know, you define you define a table, like, and then it's really easy to, to have all the forms generated to feed that table. But when you want to do a complex, like, onboarding or, like, or... Um, like a multi-step like wizard let's say like yeah i always struggle with it <laughs> it's like it seems like i always like it's it's not designed for that and then you end up like just hacking something to make it to make it work so i really was thinking maybe for this i should try the the single page application kind mm-hmm. of kind of design okay at least for the for the onboarding like creating a new creating a new site in MemberRow. Right. I envisioned it like it's it's multiple steps and you basically, you have the user like just fill out part, there's a few part pieces at a time, right? So like, yeah. just like, what's your site? Uh, okay, now, you know, let's set up your Airtable account mm-hmm. and then you move on to the next step. All right, tell me which table you want to put your users in. Yeah. You know, and so you're gradually just moving them along like like, like that. Yeah. So I started doing doing it all in Alpine, but then Rails doesn't play easily with Alpine. Okay. 
like when it's time to submit stuff to the it just like you can you can, you can tell like you're you're no longer in the cookie cutter like philosophy of rails yeah so then it becomes like why am i even using rails at this point sure like i could just use a lighter ruby framework like sinatra and just create some api endpoints and then i just mm-hmm. hit those with my single page application right so yeah so i started with alpine then i was like uh this is getting like the one philosophy that i love about rails is don't repeat yourself and I seem to be repeating myself all the time now. Okay. Yeah, all right. <laughs> it's like the same piece of code here that calls the API. And so then I decided I would try Hotwire. So that's like, that's Rails' newest JavaScript framework. Okay. It replaces their Turbolinks. So basically the philosophy is that you're, instead of like calling an API endpoint and it returns JSON and then you, you, you know, you, you manipulate your components from the JSON, like instead the the server returns HTML. Okay. And you just like hot swap like mm-hmm. a section of the of the DOM with that new HTML. Okay. And it's pretty it's pretty cool. Like I I did start using it, and uh, it was pretty cool. But I still hit some some roadblocks that were frustrating. Um, and is maybe this is a dumb question, but is is uh, Rails all server side rendered? Uh, by by default, like that's the philosophy. Is yeah, okay. it's all server side rendered, and and that's it. Hotwire. That's why it goes well with Rails. It's like of course, yeah. It's like it's still all server side rendered, but but uh, like Hotwire will detect that you just you you know you just submitted a form, um, and the form after that just returns the HTML that displays the the new record. Uh, but if you're inside of a big page, like it's able to detect, well, I just need to change this one little section of the page where that new HTML should go. Mm-hmm. So, it, so it allows it allows it to to feel like a single page application, right. but uh, really, it's it's all server side rendered. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's pretty cool. But I but there's just too many things that weren't working, and mm-hmm. and then again, it just felt like I had to repeat myself like I have to <laughs> write the same lines of code for for when I create a record or when I update a record it's like why do I have to repeat myself yeah and then it, it's, it it feels weird it feels like it's not it's it's not fully baked into rails yet mm-hmm. but this is apparently what they use to build their email client oh, hey okay yeah so that's where it's, that's where it comes from okay so I think I'm going back to Alpine. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I'm still using Rails at this point just because it's like, I'm not going to rewrite it all in mm-hmm. Sinatra or, or just Rack. But uh, but yeah, I, I feel like I'm, there's so much of Rails I'm not going to be using. Right. Yeah, I've never done any Rails before, if that wasn't clear. <laughs> but, <laughs> but like what, I mean, I know about things like Active Record. Um, which is an ORM, right? Like yeah. It, yeah. Um, but like, what else is in there that would be helping you? I mean, clearly it's a tool set that you understand and can operate on in very easily, which is a huge bonus. Um, but like, what else is in there that is helpful for you? Security. Um, well, I mean, that's more like, of a Ruby thing. Helpful for me? 
not much <laughs> but there is so much like there's you know there's also a cable so that allows you to to easily set up some web sockets oh, so cool. you can push stuff to the client mm-hmm. um, there's also um, a new like rich text component so you could have like um, you know like almost a WYSIWYG kind of component okay uh, they also there's also active storage so you can do file uploads that go directly into an S3 bucket okay you know so like there's it's really a complete framework like it has everything you ever need but in this case I, I don't need most of that mm-hmm. but I mean I, I do I do recommend it for anyone who who's really starting out and really is looking for a way to be up and running quickly like especially if it's if it's a simple example where you know you just want to define these these models and uh, it will take care of all the mapping to a database and cool. and the restful API f- for that model right if you define like a, a job uh, well then it will just have a job table and and, and then an employer can post jobs where you just have an employer table and and then the, you have this restful API that's really just a one-for-one mapping for each model. Okay. So it'll but just it automatically generate the endpoints for you to give you CRUD on that. Yeah, op- exactly. And you could even use a this generator called the scaffold, which it will even generate the like a the HTML for you. So if you're really starting out, like you you've never done any web development it's amazing like you could you could be up and running and have something very quickly cool but i'm trying to i'm trying to use a lot of the same ux decisions that airtable uses mm-hmm. like i'm trying to make it feel exactly like airtable okay because my users are airtable users so mm-hmm. and the the whole crud or restful like it, it doesn't it doesn't seem to work well with that. Okay. Airtable's big on like like when you create a form, like it just creates the form is already created and then you'll remove fields or customize the fields. Mm-hmm. But in Rails, like you most likely create a form and then add fields to it mm-hmm. one by one. I don't know. I don't know. It's just Maybe I'm just a very bad Rails developer. That's what I'm realizing. <laughs> like, there's, I, I fell in love with Rails like in 2004, mm-hmm. and I was coming from Java, so it was like, you know, it was mind blowing how simple it was to make web applications compared yeah. to Java. Yeah, it was like, wow, this is amazing. And but as the years went by, like, there's some stuff that bugged me about it. Like, I was never really a fan of. Active Record, actually. Oh, really? Yeah, like I'm. I I hate having to deal with migrations and all that. Mm. Like, and I started playing around with MongoDB, and I really loved the flexibility that schemaless and mm. and often. I mean, I mean, I just I have JSON anyway, so I just want to put it in a database. Like, yeah. <laughs> like yes, you can do that with post with Postgres now, but I mean. That natively, that's what MongoDB is. So, yeah. so I fell in love with MongoDB, and I've been using that ever since. So, a lot of Rails stuff, like I always have to like patch to work with MongoDB. Right. So yeah, I think I'm just a bad Rails developer now. <laughs> it's like, instead of just 
you know, because it's very opinionated. Yes. But but, but it's great if you agree with all those opinions. Absolutely. Yeah. It's it, like, it's great. Yeah. It, that's one of the things that I, I never really understood. So I'm a Java, I'm still a Java programmer. Um, I did it forever. Spring, Spring Boot. I mean, that was all, that was all my gear for years and years. Um, but it's very unopinionated. So like, I never really understood what that meant until I got exposed to some node projects of like what it meant to be opinionated. And I remember, it's that first gasp of like, oh, that I, that's weird. Or I didn't expect that. That's kind of strange. And then it turns out like, oh, that's what opinionated means. And then when people are like, oh, Rails is very opinionated. I was like, oh, that's interesting. I, I never had a chance to do Ruby. And then I fucking did Python. And I, I don't know, like I, it's really interesting to see people like, like uh, I've done, I've done a little bit of like pandas, like data science. Well, I, I'll, I don't even want to call it data science because I'm not a data scientist. But I've used pandas and messed around with data frames and stuff. And the level of opinion is crazy. Because I was, t- I was telling my wife about this because she's an R programmer, um, uh, or she has, she has a lot of specialty in R. And I'm like, wow, it's crazy to see a library that's so useful. Like. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm used to being given building blocks and having people say, well, we're not going to tell you how to use it, but it's all there for you if you want it. And this is just like, oh, here's a weird function with a weird name that does exactly what you needed to do. And it's like, why does this exist? Right. So, yeah, because somebody had an opinion and included it. Where are my thousand lines of XML that I have to write to configure this? Thank you. Finally, somebody <laughs> respects my ability to configure a spring container. What do you mean there's multiple auto-wire candidates? This is bullshit. <laughs> Let me, oh, which XML should I open? <laughs> okay, like, taking it back, like, when I, when I, my first job, I was working at a, I was working at a bank, and we were operating, I was in a huge team, global team, like, we were all maintaining the same product. And it was, what were we using? We were using Java 5, I think. I think we were using five and then we went to six. Anyway, um, we, and it was all like, it wasn't Spring Boot, it was Spring. And like XML configurations and just like, man. And then I remember I'd been in that world for so long that I was like, oh, this is what the world is. Like I was busy learning how to write good code. I wasn't like on the cutting edge of like, oh, there's this technology and this technology. So, when I applied for my next job, they were like, oh, do it in Spring Boot. And I was like, well, I know what Spring is. Like, what, what's Spring Boot? And like, all of a sudden, you didn't need XML configuration anymore. Or no, I, I challenged myself. I was like, I'm going to learn how these annotations work. I'm going to do it without XML configuration. And I showed up and I told them that. And the people who were talking to me thought I had like four heads. They're like, why would you use XML configuration? What is this, 1970? I was like, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> I'm actively configuring XML today. <laughs> I did it earlier. <laughs> yeah. it, that's about when I stopped was using Spring and mm-hmm. it was all XML configurations. Yeah. There was no Spring Boot. Yes. Yeah. yeah, Spring. Yeah, or Java. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, at this point, it's like whatever... It's, it's the tool that I'm using. It's, yeah. you know, I know the Ruby language so well mm-hmm. now. So it's like, it seems, seems, it would seem weird to, to switch to something new. Oh, totally. You're, you're, you should absolutely play to your strengths. Like, 
not doing so would might it might be a fun technical challenge but like taking stuff to production in a language environment and everything you know like the it's so useful <laughs> yeah there's a few times where i've considered switching to node mm-hmm. because i think well a lot of the node community like they like mongodb right mm. they use mongoose and so it's like at least i'd be among among my people <laughs> yeah that's for sure <laughs> but but javascript is just a lot more verbose than than ruby mm. Like there's just a lot more code that you have to write to do things that are just come out of the box in Ruby. Mm. So it's like, uh, I think I'll just continue doing Ruby on the server side. Mm. But yeah, so I mean, the, my my big problem is that I'm trying to reproduce like the look and feel of Airtable. Yeah, it's where like the components, you know, you click on them and they change state. Like mm. all of a sudden now it's editable because you clicked on it. Right. And then when you leave focus, it saves the result immediately. Like that kind of of uh, reactivity, mm-hmm. like that's 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 not the opinion of Rails. Yes. So mm-hmm. so yeah. So I think I'm going back. I'm going back to Alpine. Maybe even maybe I'll I should just use Vue in the end because I think I, I will be building a lot of components. So mm-hmm. we'll see. But I mean, at this point, I'm like. Two thirds done with the onboarding. Oh, thing. whoa! Yeah, like now I'm at. I'm pretty much at the part now where I'm ready for them to design their first form. So Shit. like they, so they've they've configured the authentication and uh, mm. their Airtable, and now they're just all right. I want to create my first form for mm. putting data into this table. Okay. Damn. Nice. Yeah. So what is the do, do you have a goal in mind? Do you have a deadline in mind? Like, wh- where are you right now, and where do you want to be kind of in the next week? Um, I have dreams. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go on. Me too. <laughs> but I think they're bullshit. <laughs> like, I just, yeah, I, I feel, often I feel discouraged of how slowly it's moving. Mm. Um, it's like, you know, I mean, the fact that I just fucked a lot of, wasted a lot of time on the tech stack, mm-hmm. like it's, you know, and I, I still don't feel like I've solved it yet. Mm-hmm. So there's still a possibility that tomorrow I'm going to change my mind and sure. switch everything to view. Mm-hmm. But uh, I was hoping like in in two weeks, I could have uh, something functional. Mm-hmm. Two weeks from when you began development? No, like, from- like, Two weeks from now, yeah, yeah, but I, I think it's a pipe dream. Okay. Well, like, well, let's scale it back. Like, in two weeks, are you hoping for like the final cut, or are you just looking for like something really rudimentary? <clears throat> yeah, just something to get to get into people's hands. Okay. So, like the very basically, um, you know, they're able to add the JavaScript snippet on their site, mm-hmm. uh, and people are able to register now on their site. Mm-hmm. And they have like maybe one form where now the user that's registered can fill out the form and hit submit and it goes into Airtable okay. and that new record is linked to their their membership account. And, um, but I mean like, could you do something super duper jank? Like, could you, could you just do something really fast? Because I know you talked about having that experience of the, the Airtable like UX, but could you just... Is there something you could shit out really fast? <laughs> yeah, I could, but what like what 
what would be the advantage of that? Um, you hoped to have it done in two weeks, and you might be able to have it done in two weeks. True. I mean, as long as I don't have to change the model too much, because I think mm. eventually it has it has to work like Airtable. I mean, I think that that's that's a, a constraint that I put on myself, but I think it's a very reasonable constraint. Sure. Like I've already seen with Power Importer that in the no code space, like there's there's some users that have very little technical know how and and you really you have to spell out everything like okay. why is why is this doing that like so I feel if I if I don't ha- use the same design patterns that that Airtable uses like I'm gonna I'm gonna confuse a lot of people okay yeah fair enough I I guess I was just challenging your <clears throat> the idea of needing to do it a certain way by a certain time it's like do we have flexibility on either of those on either of those points no you're I mean you're right like like right now I'm trying to even do like drag and drop like Airtable for the for when you're formatting a field mm. uh, sorry like when you're building your form right you're able to like drag new fields onto it or drag the fields out of it that's wicked cool yeah like I'm I'm doing I'm trying to do all that stuff but you're right like maybe for the very early adopters that's not necessary but th- but I'm afraid that if I just if I deliver that and then when it's time to do the drag and drop stuff, I realize, oh, well, sh- shit, like, I need to modify the model or... Yeah. Yeah, I, I totally identify with that fear. Absolutely. Making model changes is the worst. Yeah. But, uh, no, I, I mean, I, I think I should, yeah, I should think about it a bit more. Maybe there is. Maybe you're right. There is, like, a... If the goal is just to get it in people in early adopters' hands quickly... Maybe there's some bells and whistles I can skip. Or maybe that's not how you want to write code for your own projects. <laughs> I, I've heard Derek Reimer talk about that before. He was like, yeah, I just want to have unit tests for everything that I do because that's how I want to code on my own projects. And it's like, I don't agree, but cool. Yeah, man, <laughs> you're the king of this kingdom and you do what the hell you want to do, buddy. Go get it. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's you get to call the shots. Yeah, I mean, I'm, enjo- I'm enjoying this, this, this coding. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah like it's like it's it's pretty, it's pretty cool because like I'm you know I I have like Airtable open in in another browser and I'm like it's like how did they you know how did they do this or mm-hmm. why did they do it this way and like trying to, to to like reverse engineer their their UX decisions. Do they does Airtable open source any of their like component libraries or anything like that? Like Man, that's a good question. I didn't look. I've looked at their source. And they seem to be using jQuery UI. Interesting. Yeah, I know. Like, I was like, no, I'm not willing to do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> I've uh, I've never used it personally. I've heard of it. But... Yeah, no, I've never used it either. But it's it seems like if I'm gonna learn something new, I'm not gonna learn something old. <laughs> yeah, it'd be like, oh, I'm getting into the mainframe business. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> exactly. That's a good time to learn COBOL. Exactly. Natural. Yeah. Maybe there's COBOL for the web. How can I do WebAssembly? <laughs> I'm <laughs> compiling COBOL to WebAssembly. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's it. I was like, no, I'm still going to use Bootstrap because that's that's my crutch. Mm-hmm. And But I can make the buttons look a little bit more rounded, like mm-hmm. Airtable buttons. Very Web 2.0 of you. <laughs> You know, so I can make it, you know, 
it doesn't have to look like Airtable, like a clone. Like, no. My goal is not to confuse them, to, that mm. they forget that they're in member row. <laughs> yeah. But it's just, you know, if they've built Airtable forms, mm. well then, I don't want to have to teach them a new way of creating Airtable forms. Yeah. No, I'll just keep it the same way as how you do it in Airtable. I think your instincts are excellent. Like if that's a if that is an experience that you can replicate, why would you not do it? Because yeah. like you say, you said it perfectly. Like your customers are Airtable customers, and they love Airtable. They want to they want to continue to use it. So why not continue to play in a world that they understand and love? Yeah, exactly. That's it. And it's certain places they use modals. Like so, it's, you know, I'm trying to like to to be consistent with their design patterns. Yeah. But uh, needless to say, they're not using Rails. <laughs> Do you know what their tech stack is? Do they blog about it? Um, uh, that's a good question. I'm not sure if it's on Java. I'm not sure, sure now if, if it's that if it's them or if it's Webflow. But I think it, they use Node.js in the back. Okay. Because at one point I was trying to figure out why their Markdown library was behaving differently than mine. Mm. And so then I was reverse engineering their code, and I I noticed they were using they're using a, a library from Node. Okay. But my guess would be like yeah, server side they must use Node.js. Okay. Use Express or something. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Yeah. Otherwise, like uh, I'm actually also busy with support. Like. Okay. Yeah, like this summer was kind of a like really a a, a slowdown. Mm-hmm. Like even. My MRR went down for a month. Yeah, uh, but now it's starting to go up again, and and the support tickets are coming up. Yeah. Also. <laughs> so yeah, so I'm doing more support these days, but it's still it's it's still not bad. Like you know, it's one or two. I'm still trying to to block it in on my calendar to like one or two hours a day. Okay. So it's I, I yeah. Otherwise, I've I've done plenty of coding. Okay. It's yeah. it's not really getting in the way. Nice. And uh, when it comes to support, are you, um, how are you mentally? Are you fine with the level of support? Do you feel like you're, uh, do you feel like you're able to keep up with it? It's not weighing on you mentally, that kind of thing? Yeah, no, it's not that bad. I mean, there's, there's a few things that like, there's a few things like I know I need to fix in Power Importer. Mm -hmm. Like there's some functionality that I need to add. So that is a little, uh, it is a little annoying that it's, it's repetitive, like, People ask me for the same feature over and over again. When are you gonna add this feature? Yeah, and it's like, oh yeah, it's it's on the roadmap. I know, but uh, right now I'm sort of neglecting it a little bit because I'm right. doing a sprint for Memberro. But but there is like this one feature that the second that I've shipped something for Memberro, I need to get back to that and implement that feature. Okay. So that's why I'm hoping I can ship something in two weeks and then I, I can spend a, a week delivering this new feature on Power Importer. Mm. Damn, so many customers asking you for things. That's so nice. <laughs> it's a nice problem to have, eh? Yeah, that's great. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and have you noticed, uh, so you're getting some new customers. Have you noticed traffic going up? Like, is that a, is that new in September, new in the last week? Like, what, <clears throat> just curious, out of curiosity. Yeah, actually, I'm not, I'm not very good at looking at my analytics. <laughs> you know, I, think, I mean, unless I'm... I'm doing some active marketing right. then I'll, I'll be paying attention to like am I moving the needle but uh, like during the summer slowdown I noticed that my traffic seemed to be constant it was the same as before the slowdown okay it's just the conversion went down by half okay 
it's like all of a sudden people were not really converting but now the conversion is going back to like pre-summer levels but uh, yeah I, I mean you know no, it's true I did see signups went up I, I didn't look at traffic but mm-hmm. signups are up okay and conversions to paid are also up okay yeah, I was just curious because we've talked offline about like a summer slowdown and maybe even online about it. And I was just curious of like, if you kind of have like the tail ends of it or if you know, like it was, oh, a September, second week of September, we started to see recovery or whatever. Yeah, that's it. I still don't know if it's cyclical in this domain mm. or if it was a COVID thing or... Yeah. I still don't know, but but it's over. So that's... <laughs> That that feels good. Feels good. Okay, it just it just lasted a month and a half. Yeah. Now we're we're back on track. Nice. Yeah. Fantastic. So for you, the most important thing right now is getting over the line to getting this MVP into the hands of some customers who seem very eager to to get started with it. Exactly. I mean, I know the bare minimum that it has to do. Mm-hmm. So the the idea is that I need to get that in their hands, and then they're gonna tell me like. What it doesn't do this, <laughs> and then say, "All right, now I know what to build next." Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I mean, the bare minimum is users have to be able to register and log in, yeah. and then they can fill out forms. Perfect. How about you? How was your week? Week was pretty good. Um, I, uh, you know, my had a really useful conversation with my wife this this week, this past week of just. Um, I'm so in the habit of doing the freelancing thing that it's so natural for me to just sit down and then and do it that um, you know I'm I'm neglecting my goals I'm neglecting my dreams so I really kind of like broke down on kind of towards the end of last week and was just like what are you doing man like you're you're yeah I don't know if it's fear or habits or what or both or neither but um, I really have I'm just trying to kind of stay accountable with my wife of like. Well, I only did this much freelancing today and really uh, getting better at setting boundaries in general. Boundaries with work is something that I've always struggled with. Um, so I think I just kind of like, you know, I've got to sign up on my wall of just have better boundaries, uh, reminding yourself that like, hey, stop it. You only do 12 hours a week of this. Don't work an hour more. You've got plenty of other things to do. So uh, this week I'm having an extremely light freelancing week in favor of um, working on other project nice so last week i talked about a project that i would talk about this week so let's talk about it so uh you have definitely (laughs) played a role in this of coming (laughs) over to the dark side (laughs) the dark side of no code of webflow um you know we've talked about this a fair amount and one of the things that you found and have talked to me about um is the 10,000 limit, the, the 10,000 uh, item limit in the Webflow CMS. So, um, and right now, it is a hard-coded value on the Webflow side, and you can pay them as much money as you want, and they will not increase it for you. So, I've been playing around, and you know, you and I have been talking about this a little bit, of thinking, you know, would it be technically possible to break the 10,000 limit uh, through other means? And we kind of talked through this through a little bit, and it kind of looks like it is. It is possible um, if you don't host your website using Webflow. So you and I have kind of talked a little bit about this and of would it be possible to create a drop-in replacement for the Webflow CMS that works with all the other Webflow ecosystem things like Jetboost and other products that live on top of Webflow and you know 
have a basically just you know have the have this CMS be a, a drop-in replacement so that you can literally just say this is a new API key and this is the URL you call instead of Webflow's call and they literally act exactly the same way. So I've been pretty fetched with this. I think this is really interesting. <laughs> um, and it's interesting for a number of reasons. Um, it ticks the box of working for businesses because, um, like you know, if you're hitting that ten thousand limit, you're doing something right. You know, you either have user-generated content or you're doing something crazy, interesting, that you're consuming a lot of data. And, you know, it's businesses that have that kind of problem, um, or at least people seeking scale. And if you're seeking that level of scale, you're kind of at the point where, you know, you hit the limit and there's nothing else you can do. All you can do is hire a team of developers to take over the project. Yeah. But you love Webflow. Like Webflow is a tool for designers. It's a great tool. It, it does a lot and it gets better every week. So like, why shouldn't you continue to use Webflow? Um, so I think that's really cool. Like be facilitating people to continue to use tools that they love while at the same time not being held back by the by kind of an arbitrary limit. So um, so yeah, I've spent this week investigating, is it possible to do this? And, you know, because the way I'm kind of thinking of it right now is taking a consulting, like consulting approach, having it be a service before a SaaS. Um, going out and finding people who have this problem and charging them a monthly fee to handle the deploying their stuff for them and getting it, it ha having them continue to use Webflow, but having the website exist um, out being hosted outside of Webflow. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's a bunch of things about it I like. I like that it's business to business, which is fantastic. Um, I like that, you know, Webflow is a super popular tool. A lot of people really love it um, and more people are using it every day, which is great. Um, so, you know, capitalizing on the wave <laughs> seems <laughs> yeah. like a healthy thing and webflow is you know they have a new and interesting distribution mechanisms they have a community spotlight that sort of thing there's a lot of product risk associated with this um but you know there's product risk associated with a lot of things and make hay while the sun shines maybe one day they change their ten thousand limit and uh, that's okay but they make their roadmap public and you can look at their roadmap and see that they have are not talking about that um, right. So yeah, I, I'm really interested in this. So my approach right now is uh, doing like a really, really simple, jank as hell proof of concept, just to you know, is it technically possible? Right now, it seems like it. Um, I have to do we, you know, I have to do a little more testing to be sure. Um, but given that, then it's like okay, I need to go out and talk with a few people to understand. Uh, how can we make this happen? How can I, you know, how can I start doing this for people as a as a service, um, and then, you know, basically assemble enough automation that I can turn it into a software product. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, like you said, I, yeah, I'm, I've been thinking about this problem for a while. Like, I have customers that are telling me, "Do you know if they're going to raise the limit?" <laughs> it's like, sorry, I, I don't have an inside scoop, and and it doesn't seem like they will. Like. You know, and if they will, it's probably could be part of their enterprise plan, which is mm -hmm. thousands of dollars a month. Like, yeah. So yeah, I, I'm looking at this and thinking, you know, there's there, there's kind of a clear path of how to productize this, or at least you know, create a service that to to handle it. Um, and it's it's really interesting to price yourself against the cost of hiring a developer. Um, because developers are expensive and you have to retain them. Um, you know, it's a, it's a whole thing. You update something in your CMS, oh, got to redeploy the site. Like it's, that's a, that's a job, man. 
it, uh, it takes time and energy and infrastructure to do that. So yeah. how can we continue the Webflow experience off of Webflow hosting? So yeah, that's, that's what I'm doing. That's what I'm playing with. Um, so right now, the biggest things on my list are I, the risks that I have you know, assessed so far are, all right, is it technically possible, first of all? And then going out and chatting with people about, okay, like you have this problem or you're going to have this problem. Um, what are, you know, tell me about, tell me about how you're using Webflow and, and help me understand this. Um, because I definitely see a few things, especially around the way user generated content might be submitted. Like if you have a contact box or a form on your page and you're using Webflow forms to post back and maybe you're using Zapier to pull that data out of your work queue and insert it into your CMS. Um, you know, there's a few things that I can already see on the horizon of, well, maybe just getting from, um, you know, just auto deploying the site might not be enough. Uh, there might have to be a few other things that have to work. Um, as well too, like, you know, it's a little bit delicate of seeing things like, you know, JetBoost, for example, they, um, you know, they've got a, a great product and if someone is already using JetBoost and then they want to move to another platform for hosting, JetBoost should probably continue to work. <laughs> yeah. Um, so there might be some finagling and, you know, speaking with other developers and seeing if, the, if integrating with an offering like what I have is possible. Um, I mean, I think, I mean, if, if you're going to reverse engineer the CMS API mm -hmm. and all, all that JetBoost has to do is just change the domain name mm -hmm. of the calls, like, it should be a really simple like, ask. Mm -hmm. It's like, hey, your, your customer is about to hit the 10,000 limit mm -hmm. and they found me as a solution. Can you just change the domain name yeah. <laughs> and uh, call my servers instead? Yeah, because I mean, like, you're in the mix too. Like there are people. I'm. I'm sure you have. Well, you just mentioned you have customers that are that are interested. Yeah, in exactly. Problem. Yeah, and I and I don't want to lose those customers. Mm -hmm. So for me, it would be simple to say, well, here, like if you if you sign up for Matt's service, well, then yeah, my you just have to flip a switch in Power Importer, and now I I call the the Matt API instead of the Webflow API. Mm -hmm. So yeah. This is a, I think it's an interesting, I think it's an interesting problem. It's a cool technical problem too. Like it uses a lot of the, uh, a lot of the skills that I have and know. Um, right. Yeah. And I've got lots of ideas for how to, how to offload some of the hard stuff or at least how to make the hard stuff manageable. Yeah. So, um, and the nice thing too is this is a hair on fire problem. Yeah. If you're coming up to the 10,000 limit, you're like, well, I have a choice to make. Um, I either like, you know, which developer am I going to hire is, is, is the choice that you have to make today. Or do I, re can I re-architect things in such a way that I can continue to use Webflow, but. Right. So like the, what's nice is that you know what the floor pricing is, mm -hmm. you know, like for 10,000 items on Webflow, it's, uh, I think it's 45 bucks a month mm -hmm. like for hosting. Mm -hmm. So you know that that's, that's the floor. Like. Before people have the hair on fire problem, they're paying forty five bucks a month. Yeah. Uh, so that's first of all, that's a that's a good price to be charging. Um, but yeah, but I don't know what the ceiling is. Eh? Like how much how much would it cost to to pay a developer to yeah. to take your you know to take your Webflow export and to plug it to a, a custom database? And, oh man, and like recreate all of the pagination that you have and everything else. Like that's. You, you, like if you have ten thousand entries, you have a pretty sophisticated site. Yeah, um, it's not trivial. Yeah, no, I don't know. 
But uh, so, like, what what would be your V one? Like, you would just you would you would be that developer that does it for them? Yeah, I think so. The way I'm seeing this is uh, a V one would be they can I can export their site for them and facilitate the creation of of new CMS entries and figure out how to make everything integrate properly. I think it's going to be. It'll be really interesting to start talking with some people to see what plugins and other things people are using. Because if those plugins are calling the the Webflow CMS, then like already there's development effort required. Like it would be great if I could do it completely manually and just start creating tools to make my own life easier and then eventually have a suite of tools that does the whole thing. Um, But if you're gonna go off of Webflow hosting, if you're gonna migrate away from it, then you need to be, um, you know, like you, 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 you have to maintain the experience of the site that you already have. Right. So, yeah, there's, it's my version of a V0 at the very least is figuring out what the most popular API endpoints there are. Like if the CMS like data get seems like, you know, the big one, um, but figuring out what the other ones are and trying to clone them as quickly as possible to, to maintain connectivity with other plugins. Also, I'm very interested to know what people with 10,000 entries are using in terms of plugins are they using any plugins like yeah i don't know well i mean the simplest customers would be some of my customers right because they're already if they're using power importer usually that's the only integration they have that's updating the webflow cms so they're not even using the webflow cms web interface like they're Mm -hmm. they're using Airtable as their single source of truth and that's where they do all their edits Mm -hmm. So like so you so you all you have to do is support the Webflow API like reverse engineer it and then all I have to do is just change the domain name so you don't even have to build a CMS web interface uh, all you have to do is the the easy part no <laughs> it's not easy at all but reverse engineering the the Webflow design export yeah into into a different static page generator mm-hmm. yeah because there's there's a couple of interesting things there. I lost my train of thought. But yeah, like it, yeah, it's, there's, yeah, there's a lot there. <laughs> there's a lot of things there. And it's also hosting. So there's a lot of trust yeah. involved with, you know, basically giving over the hosting of your site or the, 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 the uh, yeah, I mean, hosting, the hosting of your site, giving it over to somebody else and then saying, all right. Yeah. But you could, you could just do that for free. Like to, to sh- you say, listen, like export your, what, export your Webflow site, mm-hmm. and uh, and then I do my reverse engineering magic, mm-hmm. and I generate a clone of your site, mm-hmm. and it's you know, and then here's a URL to go check out the clone, and then they can they can look at it and see that everything everything's identical. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then it's like well, like there, it's you know, it works. Like there's, I'm able to gener- to generate that from from your Webflow export. Mm-hmm. So when you're ready, let, we'll just turn the key and then yep. <laughs> you'll be hosted here instead. <clears throat> yeah. So yeah, I mean, like, I, I think it's a, I think it's a hair on fire problem. I think it's very compelling. Um, I need to get to know people a little bit more that are experiencing the problem or will experience the problem, understand more, like how they're, how do they manage things today and then run from there. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, I, I think would be really interesting is knowing what they're willing to pay to i mean the first version is not scalable of course no. right it's like you it's you like doing it case by case and uh, mm. 
and host, you know, at least what they pay would cover the hosting costs, yeah. and, but it wouldn't cover your time. No, not even close. It, yeah. Yeah. But the, the goal is that eventually it takes less and less of your time because it's automated. Exactly. Yeah. So I spent some, I've spent some time already looking at the Webflow components or not components, wrong word, like understanding how Webflow pages are composed how these how sites interact with the CMS, these sorts of things. And I think for the rest of the day, um, I, I know I have in mind for where I want my proof of concept to end for me to say, okay, I feel good about my ability to, you know, at least initially put a site together and, and know, okay, this is technically possible. And then from there to be able to say, okay, how can I, uh, yeah, how can I start talking to people, getting in front of people and chatting? Yeah. So my goal for the next week is um, you know, so in the next couple of days, I, I want to have my jank as hell MVP, and then um, I'll start soliciting people, putting myself out there, and understanding uh, where people are and how to reach them. Because yeah, I mean, at this point, like, I have a belief that people are interested in paying to solve the problem, but it's time to start talking to people. This is something I'd love to because I'm interested in doing it as a consulting service initially. Um, it's something I, you know, I, I'm effectively getting people to prepay for it, uh, which is right. really exciting for me. I, I, yeah, I just no, love that's the nice. Do you have a ballpark like idea of how much? <laughs> yes. I'm so curious. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I've done like no research, but I, but like, you know, I've done freelancing and I have a number of friends who do freelancing and I was going to think like, okay, well how much, let's say there were no plugins required. Um, and you just had a totally normal, um, normal, just a typical Webflow page and you had a couple of forms and those forms were bringing people in. Every time that you get a new post, you have to update the CMS and you have to update, um, you need the page to be able to pull from the CMS. And so if you were, let's say for example, that you weren't using a CMS and you just, somebody came to you and said, I have new records to put in, like maybe you can get it down to like copying and pasting and that sort of thing. And it's not too hard, but I mean, this feels like how many developer, the question for me is like how many developer hours of a month would it take to both take somebody off of Webflow and get them hosted somewhere else and do that constant maintenance for them. And if you're charging a hundred and, you know, say you're charging a hundred dollars an hour, um, is that five hours a month? Is it 10? Um, I'm kind of looking at it as like a $500 a month problem. Okay. I, well, and if you want to get people like, well, I, I would be very, when I was on a walk the other day thinking like, I wonder what the tiers of service for this, because that's a question that I don't have an answer to, but just like, oh yeah, maybe it's, you want to beat the 10,000 CMS limit, boom, there's this. And then what's, but what's the VIP package? It's, yeah. I just saw on Product Hunt, someone just launched a, a Webflow like support service. Oh, no way. Yeah, so it's one of these like flat fee, monthly fee, and then you can do unlimited asks. Okay. Um, but it was, I think it was over 800 bucks a month for the, the first tier. Huh. Yeah, like, so that's, you know, if it works like any of the other ones I've seen, like you open a ticket mm -hmm. and then they guarantee like a maximum amount of time mm -hmm. it'll take. Yeah. To, And you can only have one ticket open at a time. Okay. So, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if they have any customers. Mm -hmm. like, <laughs> they definitely made lots of noise when they, they did their launch on Product Hunt. That's interesting. Like eight hundred bucks a month to ask people to just—it's—it's it's kind of weird. To ask them to do things on the Webflow, which is, which Webflow promises to do. Like mm -hmm. <laughs> promises that you don't need, yeah. right? Like the whole sales pitch of Webflow is that 
you don't have to wait for a developer to to change something on your website. Yeah. You could just do it yourself. Yeah. But then you realize, yeah, but even that can get too complicated sometimes and mm-hmm. or you could break the site. Totally. You just just want to pay someone else to do it. So yeah, that's it, it yeah, like it, it this will be a question that I kind of I, I guess it'll be one of those like, oh it's this much a month and the next person you talk to you say it's this much a month. Right. And just keep <laughs> keep increasing and see what happens. Yeah. Because one of the things I'm very interested in as well is this feels like I see par- a parallel actually with with member row and member stack because it's like well people are making the choice they it's like okay I now have this problem and I'm going to take action on this problem now. so it's like oh well I was on Webflow hosting but now I can't be like I I wonder what they're doing it would be useful to talk to someone who switched away from Webflow to be able to tell them or ask them like, okay, will you switch? Like under what was the, describe the circumstance and, and how you came to a decision. And that I think you can, you can find people in the forums. Yeah, I think you could easily find, I, I've definitely seen people say, I love Webflow, but I had to leave because of X. Okay. And there must be some of them that it's because the X is the 10,000 limit. Yeah, yeah. So we'll get to the bottom of it. I'm gonna, I'm because I'm really interested to know like, I'm very curious of what the market size for something like this is. Like, I know that, you know, as an indie developer, I don't need a huge market, um, but people are already, I, you know, some in the in the realm of things that help, people are already paying for this. They're they're yeah. running a business and they're they now they have a real problem that they there's no other way around. So, yeah, I'm I think there's yeah. I think there's some interest. And and you know, it's it's your first it'll be your first service, your first product. Yeah. Like but you will have talked to a bunch of people mm-hmm. that that need help from developers in other areas also. Exactly. Like, I mean, a bit like I how mm-hmm. I came up with the idea for Member Row. It, it was from being in the community and talking to people. Like you realize, there's still there's still holes out there that need to be solved. Mm-hmm. So yeah, immersing myself more, chatting with more people. Like yeah. Uh, it's exciting. Yeah, I'm I'm pumped. It's uh, I mean the Webflow community from I mean from talk chatting with you and a few others like I'm, it's very exciting to see people really hyped about something and they're like I love this and I want to keep using it. Exactly. Like, that's a cool. Um, yeah, cool I mean those are the, those are the things I've seen in the forums where it's like it's always I love Webflow, but <laughs> I had to leave for X reason. Mm-hmm. You know the multilingual or the GDPR support mm-hmm. or. The ten thousand limit, it's, and they they're not happy with going back to WordPress, but it's like they had no choice. So if you can promise them that they can stay with Webflow, that's a, it's a pretty easy sell. Yeah, so we'll see. So right now I need to spin up a landing page. If you're listening to this, follow me on Twitter. Say hi. I'd love to talk <laughs> yes. to you if if, uh, if this is something you know about or are interested in or even have this problem or had it. Love to love to talk. I need to set up a landing page with some email captures and start, you know, linking out and, and getting a hold of people. But, um, you know, build in public. I I'm still figuring this out. I could hit a wall and it could disappear tomorrow, but it still seems promising. So let's talk about it and let's get to work. Nice. So yeah, I would say for myself, the the most important thing right now is. Um, you know, even above technical feasibility, because even in the hours I've spent so far, I already feel pretty good about my ability to, or about the the feasibility of of making it work. Um, But the next most important thing will just be chatting with people and understanding like, how quickly can I get something up and running and 
what what's needed really because it's one thing to say up and running but what do i need to build like i know we've talked about you know re-implementing uh, re you know effectively building a proxy for the webflow api to to run your own cms but like what really is required yeah because i have a feeling that webflow forums is going to be a must-have basically and how quickly can i make that work because this is a big product so there's a lot there yeah and the api is is documented but it's not it's not perfect so yeah that's really it for me that's that's great that's i'm i'm really pumped <laughs> let's go yeah let's fucking go like, i mean just talking to people will be will be awesome yeah like i, I already know people that that have this problem they, they will, i'm sure they will gladly talk with you Sweet. and uh and yeah then you can you'll figure out whether it's feasible whether whether it's worth hiring a developer to help you with it also mm -hmm. i mean like the whole creating a webflow a cms api like clone like you could outsource that mm -hmm. yeah that's something that i've been thinking a little bit about because like yeah it will be a lot of work and it's one of those delicate balances of talking with people but also making progress and getting paid along the way um yeah i made a good chunk of change freelancing i'm still freelancing so let's put some capital to work oh yeah if you could uh, get someone else to write the api because you know it, the documentation is there they can play around with it and yeah see how Webflow behaves and then they just have to replicate make sure it behaves the same way it's kind of easy to scope it yeah exciting times ahead next week all right I'll have more updates I'll have more more to talk about cool get on the phone yeah exactly start calling people let's go <laughs> I'll, I'll go back to coding yeah yeah it's been nice to uh, write code for myself for the last little while just like yeah, right. I've been doing a lot of client work, but now I'm just like, oh, I'll just try some of this over here, and a little bit of this over here. It's kind of uh, kind of nice to just know that you're going to write something you can just throw away. All right, so I'm looking forward to to next week's update. Yeah, you try not to over uh, over promise. <laughs> Start managing expectations now. Cool. I will catch you next week. Okay. All right. See ya. Later.